Hey, Vibrant family, what is going on? We are so glad that you're joining us tonight. Listen, tonight is my final part of this two-week series that I've been doing, and tonight I'm really gonna be pushing in on, on this topic of whether you've been feeling anxious or overwhelmed. So let's hit that share button and let's invite some other people to join us tonight. And as you do that, I wanna remind you about a few things that are happening right here at Vibrant Church. The, the before, make sure you're at this one. We believe that God wants you to have financial freedom in your life so that you can be a blessing to other people. Look, if, if when I said that word finances, you got this knot in your stomach, sign up for this opportunity. You won't regret it, I promise. To sign up, you simply go to that, that link that the host is giving you in the chat room right now. Then, on Wednesday, November 4th, we'll be having a very special first Wednesday. It is going to be incredible. Now, now this first Wednesday is for everyone, but it is a vibrant youth takeover. What does that mean? It means that our incredible youth ministry will be leading our service that night. Look, God has been moving in a mighty way in our youth ministry, and this is an opportunity for us to come together, for us to grow and support this amazing generation. And, and we're, we're gonna have inflatables, and, and we're gonna have video game trucks, and fire pits, and s'mores, and I mean, come on now, don't miss it. Wednesday, November 4th at seven o'clock p.m., it's gonna be an amazing, amazing time. And church, listen, I wanna thank you for your generosity at this time. Because of our partnership together, we have the opportunity to truly reach out to our community and all around the world. A matter of fact, we have a very special event that's coming up in December called Giving Hope. Giving Hope is an event where we turn Vibrant Church into this free shopping mall for families in need. And it is where we meet this physical need with toys, but we also meet a much bigger need by presenting the gospel to them as well. It's, it's a really cool experience where parents get to come in and pick out the toys for their children. See, church, our heart is that we make the parents the heroes in their child's eyes. But we need your help. All you need to do is get a packet and donate toys for that age range of child. So just go to vibrantchurch.com slash givinghope and download your digital packet today. But church, it is because of your generosity that we get to be such a bright light. The Bible says that a city on a hill, it can't be hidden. And church, we want to shine bright, as bright as possible for this world. So, so thank you for consistently partnering with us. You're making a difference in growing the kingdom of God. If you'd like to partner with us, it's really easy. You can just simply go to vibrantchurch.com giving or text the word vibrant to 77977. And then follow the secure steps and be a part of what God is doing right here at Vibrant Church. Well, church, listen, let's get into the word together tonight. It's going to be an incredible time. Well, church, listen, tonight I want to jump back into a topic I began digging into last Wednesday, and that is fear. Come on, someone say fear. We all deal with it, don't we? But last week, uh, we unpacked how God did not give us a spirit of fear. No, he didn't design you that way. God gave you power. He gave you love, and he gave you self-control. I also talked about how worrying today, it, it doesn't take away tomorrow's troubles, but it takes away today's peace. And there's so many of us, if we're just being honest with each other tonight, that want peace in our life. We, we'd do anything for peace, wouldn't you? 
I mean, maybe you have been going on for a while right now without peace in your life. Maybe you're seeking peace in your marriage. Maybe it's peace with your children. Maybe it's peace at work. Maybe you're a student that's watching this tonight and you want peace at school. Maybe you're wanting peace within some of your friendships. Here's the thing that we all have in common. We all want peace in our life. We all long for that. And last week, I, I shared a scripture with you from John 14, 27, where, where God says, I am leaving you with a gift. It's a gift from God. He's giving you the most incredible gift. It, it says that it is a gift of peace of mind and of heart. And he says, the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Wow. Don't be troubled or afraid. Some of you are sitting there at your home right now. Maybe you're in your living room or you're in your kitchen. Maybe you're listening in your car. Wherever you're, wherever you're watching or listening to right now, you're going, wow, Mike, don't be troubled or afraid, huh? Do you have any idea what I'm going through? See, the answer is no. No, I, I don't know what you're going through tonight. But I know you're not alone. See, I, just in the last few months, I've spent some time with people who felt like they have no purpose in life. I spent some time with people who felt like they had wasted the majority of their life up to this point. I've spent time with some of you that felt like you were dealing with anxiety, some of you that were feeling with depression, and some of you that felt like you were dealing with suicidal thoughts. I spent time with a lot of people that have felt like their marriage was over, I spent a lot of time with people in 2020, a lot of people that were hurting. And after hours and hours with so many of you this year, one thing I can tell you is this, is that I'm, and I'm so confident about this. Are you ready? That our God, no matter what you're going through, our God, yeah, he's still bigger. I know that our God is still on the throne. Look, I know that even when I'm going through a tough situation in my life, when I'm going through a tough season in my life, I do not have to allow that to dictate my story because my God is bigger. He's the author of my life, and, and all I need to do is flip that page. I mean, come on, somebody. Our God is good. He is faithful, and your story is not over yet. No, don't give up. I believe you're just about to go to the next chapter. Look, I know that human nature says, when I see it, I'm going to believe it. But, but come on, church, your faith nature needs to say, when I believe it, then I'm going to see it. Come on, church, God is with you. He is for you. He is not against you. And tonight, I think that there's a lot of us that need to hear that. Tonight, I want to talk about how we need to walk by faith and not by fear, even when we're feeling anxious. And, and I, I worded that so specifically. See, I, I hear people so many times say, I'm anxious. Or they say, uh, I have anxiety. But again, God did not make us that way. Anxious is not who you are. It's how you feel. And it's a feeling. And it's a very real one at that. You know, anxiety is a hot topic nowadays. But remember, just like fear, God didn't design you to be anxious. You were designed to live in the freedom that God gives you, the purpose that he has for you. But the sad thing is that statistically, over 18% of adults in the United States alone are impacted by anxiety. Look, that's over 40 million people. 
And it seems to be growing. Our, our younger generation right now, the, the younger generation that's coming up right now is currently being reported as the most anxious generation so far. So what do we do? Well, last week I talked about how, how as Christ followers, we need to be shining our light on the world because they need us. But tonight, I want to look at a few ways that we can combat, combat these feelings of anxiety. First thing I want you to write down is this. What you consume impacts your identity. Did you get that? What you consume impacts your identity. This is so important. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about consuming food, but we can actually use food as an illustration in this tonight. See, I like to go running, and when I'm running on a regular basis, that's when I feel like I'm at my healthiest. And I don't just mean physically. Now, I try to run 15 to 20 miles a week, and, and when doing so, I like to listen to books on Audible as I'm doing it. I'll listen to books on leadership, on business practices. Uh, I'll listen to books from pastors that I admire, books from CEOs. And when I'm in that place, the, the place where I'm growing in knowledge and physically, I, mean, I feel amazing. I have more energy. I have more confidence. I just feel good about me. But when I'm consuming bad food, it directly affects my overall health. For example, last week, there was a night where I was at the church late, and I missed dinner, and I decided to go grab some Taco Bell for my late-night meal. And unfortunately, I mean, I, I love fast food. Anyone else love fast food? I just love fast food. So no, I didn't get anything healthy from Taco Bell. They do have like two things on the menu that you could get that's healthy, but I didn't get those things. Um, I did, however, get a Nacho Bell Grande because that is my staple. And I also got a Double Decker. I got a Cheesy Gordita Crunch. And then to kind of wash it all down, I got some cinnamon twists, you know. <laughs> and I ate that meal at like 10 p.m. And I'll let you know, when my alarm went off at 5.45 a.m. the next morning so I can go exercise and run, I didn't get up. No. There was no way, man. I felt horrible. I slept in. So not only did it affect my physical health because I ate bad food and I didn't exercise, so double negative, but it also affected my mental health because I didn't listen to my books that morning. And because I was now running late, I also skipped my devotionals as well. So again, another double negative. So the question is, is it Taco Bell's fault? <laughs> well, I'd like to blame them, but no, they didn't force me to consume a bunch of unhealthy food, did they? See, in the same way, what you consume in life is extremely important and does have a direct impact on how you feel. And then, get this, it also impacts the confidence you have in who God created you to be. This is why I feel like it's so important that we're careful and cautious with social media I mean, for me personally, I have my phone set to only allow me on social media for one hour a day. Why is that? Well, it's because I found that in one hour a day, I have plenty of time to get on, post what I need to post, see what I need to see without wasting my day scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and really just subconsciously comparing my behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. Let me ask you this question. If you're someone who's dealing with the feelings of anxiety, I want you to lean into this tonight. If, if we're just being honest with ourselves, if you're being honest with yourself, are you confident 
in who God created you to be? Are you confident in who God created you to be? Jeremiah 17, 7 says, but blessed is the one who trusts. I want you to underline that word right there, trust. Real simple, if you look up that word trust in the dictionary, it says a firm belief in the reliability. Come on, somebody, do you truly believe that God is reliable? It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. See, Having a lack of confidence in who God created you to be will directly impact how you feel about yourself and circumstances in your life, while at the same time, it will mold your identity. So check this out. When, when I was in college, I'll show you how this all works, because when I was in college a long, long, long time ago, I struggled. Being fully transparent with you tonight, I'm just going to tell you the whole thing right here. Let's be transparent with each other. Being fully transparent with you tonight, what my biggest issue was is when I was in high school, I got cheated through quite a few classes because I was an athlete. So I got to college and I struggled. I didn't know how to study or anything like that. And for the first couple years, I failed class after class after class. I hired tutors. I just barely scraped by. When I'd fail, I was, I was really embarrassed, and so I'd, I'd act like it didn't bother me because, you know, I just didn't want to seem weak, I guess. So, I mean, have you ever done that? I'm sure you have. You get it. I'd say things like, well, I'm just not book smart. Or I'd say things like, I'm just not a good test taker. Or I'm just, I'm not really going to use this in my career anyways. You ever hear that one? See, I lost sight of whose I was which made me lose sight and lose confidence in who I am. It began to form my identity, and because of that, again, if I'm just being transparent with you tonight, I felt really stupid. I just knew that I was just a stupid person. I just wasn't as smart as everyone else around. But was that really who I was? Or was it how I felt? See, just a few years ago even, I still struggled with this. I wanted to prove to myself that I wasn't stupid. I mean, I was here. I was, I was one of the pastors at Vibrant Church. I still felt stupid. And I wanted to prove to myself that it wasn't true, that that's not who I was. So I went back for my master's degree. And I worked hard. The difference was this time, I had the best teammate anyone could ever ask for. I had my wife, Kristen, who was there encouraging me, saying things to, to pump me up, build me up. And you know what? I got all A's. See, I believe that today, there's a lot of you that are living in the identity that someone else has given you. It's easy to fall into that. And tonight, I want to look a lot at David. I feel like David, man, he was, he was someone that could very easily have walked with a lot of fear and anxiety in his life. He's someone that, that I feel could have very easily lost sight of his identity in Christ. Why? Because, because of some of the unhealthy food, so to speak, that was surrounding him. But he, he chose not to eat it. You know, I think that there's three voices that we listen to the most in our life. There are three entities that, that we allow to speak into our identity. 
Even though in Jeremiah 1.5, God says, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I called you. Even though God created us, he formed us and gave us a purpose, many times we allow these entities to form how we view ourselves. So let's look at David. You remember the story of David and Goliath, right? I mean, we all learned about it as kids. David was a shepherd boy who had older brothers. They were, they were in the army, but they were terrified of uh, this staring down this enemy named Goliath. He was a giant, right? He was terrifying. David brings his brother some food, just like his father asks him to. Then he hears Goliath hurling these insults about God. David says he'll fight the giant. The king tries to give David armor, but it's too big. So David gets his slingshot and some rocks and steps up to this giant. He hurls a rock at him, kills him, and then cuts off his head. Then you fast forward a bit, and David becomes the king, walking in the identity that God intended for him. See, church, here's, here's what I believe. I believe God didn't call you to be anxious. No, now, I, don't, I don't believe he called you to live your life worrying. He didn't call you to be consumed by fear. No, he called you to be confident in him, to know your identity in him. So like I said, there are three entities that impact our identity. And, and we need to know if we are consuming healthy or unhealthy things around us because it makes a difference. So here's the first entity I want you to write down tonight. You ready? Number one is this, your friends and family. Friends and family. This is probably the loudest voices in your life. This is also where social media tends to come into play the most. Maybe you have someone in your life that has been a friend for years, or, or maybe a sibling. Maybe it's a parent. But maybe there is someone that has really hurt you. Maybe it's Someone that has spoken negative things over you. You know, the Bible says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. And maybe a lot of death has been spoken over you. Maybe you're watching this tonight and you're a grown adult. And you're listening to this tonight and you're still carrying hurt. You're still walking in a false identity. That you've been walking in and caring for decades because of the painful time that you experienced from an abusive parent years and years ago. And those words became who you were, and you lost sight of whose you were. Let me tell you this tonight. Look into my eyes right now. I don't know who this is for, but God wants you to walk in freedom. You don't have to carry that anymore. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again and again and again. You need to sign up for one of our freedom small groups. They're incredible. I personally went through it myself. Let me tell you this, God wants you to walk in freedom. So let's go back to David. Look what happens to David. David is told by his father to go and deliver this food to his brothers, right? He gets there and he hears Goliath shouting out his defiances and this is where we pick it up in 1 Samuel 17, 25. It says this, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will give him the, his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. So then David asked the man standing near, hey, 
What's going to be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that, that he should defy the armies of the living God? So they repeated to him what they had been saying, and this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Then Eliab, this is David's oldest brother, David's oldest brother, probably someone that he really looked up to, right? One to be like as a younger brother. David's oldest brother, he heard him speaking to these men, and he burned with anger at him. And he says this to David, I want you to hear this and, and put yourself in David's, in David's shoes right here. He says, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. Can you imagine being David? He's being obedient. He's taking food to his brothers, which he probably does look up to because his dad asked him to. Then his brother, someone he has so much respect for, his brother calls him conceited and says he has a wicked heart. In that moment, David had to make a decision. Do, do I walk in God's calling for my life and not allow my own family to speak death over me and ultimately create my identity? But for David, it got worse. See, here's the second entity that speaks into your life. I want you to write this down. Number two, our leadership. Our leadership. All of us have leaders in our life, don't we? Maybe you're a student and a leader in your life is your teacher. Maybe for you, it's your boss at work. A great leader, listen, a great leader, they can pull greatness out of you. They can get you to a higher level. They can even have a tough conversation with you without making you walk away feeling defeated. But for David's story, and maybe this is similar to your story right now, his leader, the king, he talked down to him. So when David offered to go fight this giant, to stand up to the enemy, the king told him, you're only a young man. David's over there walking in the identity that God has called him to and standing up with confidence and his leadership is saying, no, you're too small. You know what I mean? Like the, the king is, is saying, no, David, no, no, you're just, you're just not good enough. And if that wasn't bad enough, then David steps up to Goliath, which sets us up for the next voice that a lot of times speaks into our life. Except this one we expect to try to hurt us. And I want you to write this down. Number three is this, the third voice, is the enemy. See, the enemy would love to see you fail. The enemy, Satan, would love to see you hurt. The Bible says that he's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy you. And the way he'll do that, he'll try to get you isolated, try to get you alone, try to tempt you, try to discourage you. And try to ultimately get in your head so that you will destroy yourself. But David walks up to this giant, the enemy. Now I'm sure in the back of his head he heard the voice of his brother saying, You're just conceited. Your heart is wicked. He probably had the words of the king echoing in him saying, You're too small. You're not good enough. And then the enemy spoke. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 42, it says this. He looked at David. He looked him over and saw that he was 
little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? See, Goliath is making fun of him. He's putting him down, trying to get into his head. Then he says, he says the, And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He said, Come here, he said, And I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. By this point, David had every opportunity to tap out. I mean, I think about, about the insecurity that he, he would have been walking in, but he knew God had a purpose for his life. He remembered who called him. It wasn't his brother that called him. No, it wasn't his leader, the king, that called him. And it sure wasn't his enemy that called him. It was God. God called him. And God will always have the last word. It doesn't matter what other people say. So what do you do when you're feeling anxious and afraid? Well, anytime I personally feel anxious, anytime I I personally feel alone, anytime I'm afraid, what I like to do is spend a lot more time reading the Word. I make sure that I'm consuming what is healthy, right? And and now that we've seen that David could have very easily had some serious hits against him and walked away from what the identity was that God called him to, let's dig deeper into David's relationship with God and see some of the nuggets that we can possibly apply to our life. let's, Let's start with the words of David in Psalms chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. When David says this, are you ready? He says, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. If you feel hurt, if you feel alone, if you feel oppressed, the Lord is a refuge for you. David says he's a stronghold in times of trouble. Then scripture says, those who know your name, trust in you, Lord. Have, Lord, you have never forsaken those who seek you. Did you catch that? It says, those who know your name, they trust you, which makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you're probably not going to trust someone you don't know. If you don't know their name, you're probably not likely to trust them. Those those who know your name trust you. The question is, though, tonight, what's God's name? What do you call God? Why does that matter? Well, (laughs) what you call someone really matters because... What you call someone tells a lot about the relationship. The name you use often reveals the intimacy of the relationship. What we call someone tells us so much about the depth of the relationship. For instance, my wife, Kristen, she calls me babe. She's the only person who calls me babe. She better be the only person that calls me babe. Why? Because we have an intimate relationship. Now, I also have my three boys, Miles, Max, and Maverick. They're six, three, and one. They call me daddy because we have a very deep relationship. Man, we go on vacations together. We love each other. We do good night time together. We spend hours together. We have a deep relationship. They call me daddy. But then there's people in my life that call me Mike, and that, that could be you. There's quite a few people that call me that. Some are friends, some are acquaintances, but our relationship is that we are on a first name basis. It's my name, Mike. Then there are some of you who call me Pastor Mike. This means that you know a little bit about me. Maybe you're a member here at the church. Maybe uh, I've had the opportunity to minister to you and your family. And so you know what I do. I'm a pastor. You call me Pastor Mike. That's our relationship. There's some of you that call me, are you ready for this? Mikey. 
that hasn't been around for a while. As a kid, I, I went by the name Mikey. And actually, when I was first going into ministry, I started in kids' ministry. I was doing kids' camps and selling my kids' book and all those things. I was doing it under the name Mr. Mikey. So if you call me that, the chances are we go way back. Back, 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 back. Pre-children, pre-wrinkles, pre-gray hairs coming through, all of that. We go way back. But then there are some of those who I have no relationship with at all. See, my last name is Stevens, but it's spelt with a PH in the middle. So I often get telemarketers who call me and they go, um, um, I'm looking for a Michael Steffens or a Michael Stephens, to which I just say, um, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you got the wrong number. I don't know who that is. <laughs> See, what, what you call someone tells you a whole lot about that relationship, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of people may call God the, the big guy in the sky. Or maybe you call him the, the man upstairs. If that's what you call God, chances are you really probably don't know him very well. Because what you call someone reflects the depth of the relationship. Jesus actually called God Abba, which in uh, Aramaic is it's Aramaic for daddy, like father, daddy, papa. Jesus called him father, daddy. That reflected the intimacy of their relationship. What we call God reflects our relationship with God, how well we know him. David said this in, in Psalms 9, verse 10. David said to God, those who know your name, underline that, they trust in you. How do you grow in your trust with God? Well, you get to know his name. You get to know his character. Well, in Psalms, David would often write, God, you are, and then he'd list an attribute. You are something, a quality, a metaphor, a characteristic, a title, a name. God, you are something. And what I want to do is I want to help you know some of the names of God, the metaphors of God, the titles of God, the attributes of God, so that you can get to know God. Because when you know his name, guess what, church? You'll better trust his heart and his character. So, who is God? Let me tell you who God is. You ready? Psalms 22, verse 19. David says this, but you, Lord, do, do not be far from me. And he said this, you are God, that underline this right here, you are my strength. Come quickly to help me. So who is God? Write this down in your notes. God is my strength. God is my strength. Paul said in the New Testament that whenever you're weak, whenever you don't have enough strength on your own, whenever you're vulnerable, whenever you're hurting, Paul said whenever you are weak, God's strength is made perfect in you. In other words, every time you have this weakness, you also have the opportunity to experience God's strength, God's power, His presence. I feel like I'm, I'm speaking to someone right now. You're hurting. You're overwhelmed. You, you feel like there's just too much on your plate right now. You feel heavy. Trust me, I've been there. You, you, you don't know if you're going to make it another day. I get it. Listen, this is so good. If you only get one thing out of tonight, I want you to get this. Give God your weakness. Give him your weakness because when you give God your weakness, he will give you his strength. So who is God? He is your strength. David also said in another psalm, Psalm 31, verse 5, David said, 
I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are faithful, God. Come on now. God, you are a faithful God. So who is God? I want you to write this down. This is the next thing in your notes. God is faithful. He's faithful. The problem is, is that there's very few things in life that will always be faithful. People are going to let you down. Circumstances will continue to disappoint you. The economy might be up one day. It might be down the next. There are times that you're even going to let yourself down. The good news is, <laughs> the good news is this though, is that Paul told us in the New Testament that even whenever we are faithless, God is faithful because he can never disown himself. I don't know about you, but I've let God down time and time and time and time again. I've failed God too many times to even count, but his faithfulness has never failed me once. So who is God? He's faithful. His word is true. He is always faithful in every single way. But David isn't done here yet. He continues to identify who God is. We know that God is my strength and that he is faithful. But then David says in Psalm 65, verse 5, he says, You, God, faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. Oh, God, our Savior. Then he says this. Are you ready? Underline this. God, you are. Are you ready? God, you are the hope of everyone on earth even those who sail on distant seas. So who is God? Write this down. God is our hope. He's your hope. In other words, our hope is not in a friend or a family member. Our hope isn't in a leader that's in your life. Our hope is certainly not in our enemies. Our hope is in the all-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing God who spoke and created the very universe. Our hope is in God. In fact, Isaiah said in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 40, verse 31, he says, those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Scripture says, God, you are my strength. God, you are always faithful. God, when, when everything else seems hopeless, God, you are always my hope. The psalmist told us other characteristics and qualities of God as well. But the last one, the last one I want us to write down tonight, the last one I really want us to lean into, I want you to grasp. Are you ready? Go to Psalm 75, verse 1. It says this, We thank you, O God. We give thanks to you because, underline this, you are near. People everywhere tell of your wonderful deeds. So who is God? Write this down in your notes. God is always near. God is always near. Church, aren't you thankful for a God who is always near? I know I am. James says in the New Testament that, Whenever you draw near to God, every time, anytime you're hurting, anytime you're afraid, anytime you feel unsettled, anytime you feel unsure, anytime, every time you draw near to God, He always draws near to you. God is not far off. He's not this far off, distant, uninvolved God. No. He's a loving, caring, compassionate God who is always near. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. 
What I want you to understand tonight is this, church. It's no matter what has been spoken over your life, no matter what other people have said about you, whatever hurts you've been carrying with you, whatever false identity you've been walking in, whatever has, has been the root of your anxiousness, I want you to know this, right? You ready? God is always with you. God is always gonna be there to comfort you. God can always strengthen you. God will always be your hope. And God is always, he's always, he's always near to you. I love that. So what do you call God? What you call him reflects how well you know him. And those who know his name, they trust in his character and his nature. He loves you. God loves you. He loves you so much. Love isn't just something that he does, it's who he is. It's his nature. And there's nothing that you can do to get God to love you more. And there's nothing that you can do to, to cause him to love you less. He just loves you because that's who he is. What do you call God? God, you're my strength. God, you're always faithful. God, you're my hope. God, you're always near. God, you're so loving. You know, there's been a lot of times in my life that I've felt anxious and times when I felt alone. There's been a lot of times when I, I felt like I was less than, a lot of times when I felt insecure. I mean, there's, there's times when I felt overwhelmed. And tonight, I, I may not necessarily know exactly who you are, who you are watching or where you're from, but I can tell you, I can tell you this, just to, statistically, there are a lot of you watching right now that are feeling the exact same way. I want you to know that you're not alone. God loves you, and he's near to you. Do you feel anxious today? Are you hurting? Do you feel afraid? Now I want you to do this. I want you to just call out to God tonight. Cry out to him. If you're hurting today, just tell him you're hurting. If you're mad, man, unload on him. Listen, I promise you, our God can handle it. I'm convinced that God would rather you yell at him than walk away from him. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The moment that you feel weak, you say, God, you are my strength. When, when I feel like, like I'm just unstable, then I say, God, you are always faithful. Whenever you feel anxious you, and, and you feel unsure, you feel afraid, you say, God, you are my hope. When you feel isolated, when you feel alone, when you're hurting, you say, God, you are always near to me and you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. Listen, I wanna pray for you tonight, wherever you are right now. I want you to lean into this. I want you to give it all to God. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're overwhelmed with, whatever weight you have right now, let's pass it off to him. He's near to you. So church, will you just bow your heads and close your eyes wherever you are? I want you just to reach out your hands too. Just open your hands as if you're, you're, you're passing this to God, giving it to God, giving it all to him. Can we just do that wherever you are right now? Let's just close your eyes and bow your head. Let's trust in him. God, God, we love you right now. And God, whatever it is, the weight that we are carrying, the things that overwhelm us, God, the weight that is on our shoulders, 
the uncertainty that we have in, in what's coming up in the future, God. The, the things that we're dealing with at work, the things that we're dealing with in 2020 alone. God, the situations maybe with our children. God, maybe it's our marriage. God, whatever it is that we're dealing with right now, the things that are weighing us down, God, we are passing that to you. God, the anxiety that we're feeling right now, God, we're passing that to you. God, the depression that we're having right now, God, we're passing that to you. God, we're giving it to you because, God, you are bigger. God, you're bigger than anxiety. You're bigger than depression. You're, you're way bigger than our suicidal thoughts. God, you're bigger than anything that we might be walking through. And, God, you are greater. You've created us with a purpose. And God, no matter what it is that we are feeling, God, we know confidently today we are standing on your word that you did not make us that way. That is not put into us. That is a feeling that the world has given us, God. God, I pray right now for words that have been spoken over us, God, that, that words of death that have been spoken over us, God. I pray right now that you seize those and you delete those, God, from us. That, that we don't carry them, just like David, so we can walk up to the enemy, God. We can walk up to the wall. We can walk through the storm and we can say, listen, this isn't about me, God. This is God's, this is the battle is the Lord's and God is always in control. It doesn't matter what my family may have said about me. It doesn't matter what my leadership may have said about me. It doesn't matter what the enemy says about me. I know who created me, and he created me in his image, and his image is perfect. And so I'm a child of God. God, I pray right now that we stand confidently in who we are and whose we are, because God, you made us in the image of you. God, we love you. God, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, Listen, church, I hope tonight was an encouragement to you. Remember, no matter what you're walking through, draw near to God and allow Him to be near to you. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight, church. We love you. We're praying for you. And we can't wait, man, we can't wait to see you this Sunday as Pastor Jason is in the house starting a brand new series called Make It Count. Come on, someone say Make It Count. I know I want my life to count. I want my life to make a difference. I know you do too. And this series is one that, that, yeah, that can be life-changing. I want you and your family there. Make sure you invite someone. It's going to be an incredible, incredible time. We have two in-person opportunities. One of them is at 9.45 a.m. The next one is at 11.30 a.m. We can't wait to see you there. Listen, church, have a great night. We'll see you Sunday.